Hi everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation is primarily focused on the debt ceiling and the April inflation prints. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Danny Kessler, Asset Allocation Strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Danny, welcome. We're happy to have you. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. So let's get started. There seems to be a lot of attention paid to the debt ceiling talks in Washington, D.C. What's the latest there, and are there any near-term market implications to speak of? Well, Siobhan, unfortunately for everyone here in the country, uh, there still has been no substantive progress toward a solution to the debt ceiling. President Biden did meet with four congressional leaders on Tuesday afternoon of this week, but this meeting was more just to kick off quiet negotiations between the parties than anything. Biden will be meeting with lawmakers again today, and more serious closed-door talks are expected in the coming days. As a reminder, Republicans do not have enough votes in the Senate to pass a bill on their own, and Democrats do not have enough votes in the House to pass a bill on their own. This means that a compromise of a smaller bill will be necessary from both parties in order to avoid a default. Republicans want to see spending cuts and progress toward deficit reduction before signing any bills to extend the debt ceiling. Recent years have seen annual increases of near 10% for the federal budget. Republicans will likely be looking for annual increases even even as low as 1%, while 3 to 4% may be a, a more likely compromise. Excess COVID relief funds could be low-hanging fruit here that the government could put towards the deficit. So looking at markets, equity and rate markets have yet to really act too adversely to the policy stall, and for good reason, as the U.S. government has never actually defaulted on its debt. That said, there is no guarantee that lawmakers will come to a solution before what is known as the X date, the day that the government can no longer pay its obligations, which would lead to a temporary default. The current soft deadline for the X date is June 1st, although it is likely that it will be sometime after that. A final bill is not likely to materialize until close to this date, with the pressure from this outcome likely necessary to motivate lawmakers to reach an agreement. Additional pressure, such as adverse market movements, may be needed to push lawmakers to a solution. There was a lot of focus this week on the April inflation prints. How is CIO interpreting the data, and how might the data influence the Fed's policy decision in June? Yeah, so the the Consumer Price Index inflation print was the most notable economic data release of this week, as investors continue to closely watch the Fed's ongoing battle against inflation. Uh, We did see inflation continue to moderate this month, with this release actually marking the 10th consecutive lower reading of year-over-year headline inflation at 4.9%. Furthermore, inflation readings came in slightly below consensus expectations, providing a slight relief rally in stocks before stocks then dipped lower again over the past couple of days. The report provided mixed signals on inflation. In periods of elevated inflation, rising prices tend to be broad-based. In contrast, we have recently seen volatile trends in increasing prices across different baskets, with the lack of continued trends making it difficult to predict the direction of inflation. In this report, services inflation appeared to be showing signs of rolling over, which was helped by continued moderation in rent increases. That said, core goods inflation appears to have picked back up, 
with consumer demand stronger recently, especially for cars. Outside of core goods, gas prices rebounded 3%. Food prices were flat for the second consecutive month, which will be welcome news to lower-income households. Both month-over-month headline and core inflation readings came in at 40 basis points, which if you extrapolate that out to to a a year-over-year basis, that's almost 5% annualized for an inflation rate. That remains far above the Fed's target of 2%. That said, in our view, the Fed is still likely to pause the rate-hiking cycle at the next FOMC meeting on June 14th. The Fed funds rate is now above 5%, far above the long-run neutral rate that the Fed estimates to be around 2.5%. FOMC members believe that interest rates at this level will weigh on the economy in the months ahead, especially with stress in the banking system helping to tighten credit conditions. The Fed hopes that the combination of these factors should allow inflation to continue trending lower in the months ahead. And while this line of logic is sound, the current market pricing of only a 6% chance of a rate hike in June seems too low. No Fed officials yet have publicly declared victory over inflation. Earlier this week, we received some takeaways from the Fed's quarterly senior loan officer opinion survey. What stood out to you? Given the turmoil we've seen in the banking sector this year, the senior loan officer opinion survey, or SLUSE, had an increased focus this time around. Uh, While the survey did show tighter credit standards across the board, it did not show any signs of imminent crisis. Instead, we believe the results highlight a continuing trend of tighter financial conditions that will weigh on economic growth, adding to elevated recession risks here in the U.S. So digging into the details of the survey results a bit further, 46% of banks made lending standards stricter for medium and large businesses which is marginally higher than the 44.8% in the most recent survey in January. For small businesses, 46.7% of banks made credit terms stiffer, a slightly bigger rise from the January number of 43.8%. Survey results also noted that firms of all sizes were showing less demand for credit than before, while consumer demand for credit card, automobile, and other forms of household credit remained soft. So despite all these signals of tighter credit conditions from lenders, borrowers continue to show little signs of hardship. And the NFIB Small Business Optimism Survey that was released on Tuesday, only 2% of business owners reported that all their borrowing needs were not satisfied. 30% said all their credit needs were met, while 59% were not even interested in the loan. 6% of respondents said their last loan was harder to get, which is actually down from 3% from the last reading. And only 4% reported that financing was their largest problem. While the NFIB survey seems to indicate that tighter financial conditions have not yet impacted small businesses, central bankers are closely monitoring the ramifications of elevated interest rates. The Fed published its financial stability report this week, indicating concerns that the economic outlook credit quality, and funding liquidity could lead banks and other financial institutions to further contract the credit supply to the economy. So in our base case, CIO does not expect a systemic banking crisis similar to 2007. That said, strains on more vulnerable institutions could remain a source of market volatility this year, with corporate profit growth likely to come under pressure from the lagged effects of 500 basis points of rate hikes over the course of just 14 months. With that in mind, I want to remind investors that we continue to recommend bonds over equities. 
We prefer an up-in-quality allocation with our most preferred fixed income asset classes being investment-grade bonds and mortgage-backed securities. Turning over to next week, what will be taking place that investors should be mindful of, Danny? Yeah, so as, as far as economic data releases go, next week is a bit of a quieter week. Uh, Monday brings the Empire Manufacturing release, while Tuesday has retail sales, industrial production, and the NAHB Housing Market Index. More housing data is released on Wednesday with housing starts and building permits, while Thursday has existing home sales. Thursday also has another release on jobless claims, which came in higher than expected yesterday. Outside of economic data releases, earnings season will be coming to a soft close next week. Uh, So far, we've seen 72% of companies beat expectations on revenue and earnings, and an earnings season that has been better than expected. Lastly, everyone in the U.S. will be hopeful to see progress toward a resolution of the debt ceiling extension we discussed earlier, although there's definitely no guarantee that any progress will be made. Thank you so much for updating us and preparing us for such a busy week. Thank you for having me on. Happy Friday. Thank you so much. Happy Friday, Danny. And again, today we have been joined by Danny Kessler, Asset Allocation Strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.